Hey guys, on this podcast, I've mentioned two restaurants um, a lot. So Leaning Tower Pizza has been brought up a lot and talked about on this podcast, and they are donating a gift card for this month of April 1st. I will be giving away a gift card and the Birdhouse in Robbinsdale. They are also going to donate some gift cards and swag And April 1st of 2022, I will be doing a raffle drawing. In order to become a part of the raffle drawing, you have to be a member. So go ahead and check out my Patreon account and donate some money to me so I can continue sharing stories with you and get a chance to win gift cards to restaurants and also... We have a lot of stuff from guests that are donating, some music and some t-shirts and some swag and some gift cards to their business. Thank you guys for listening and supporting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You are listening to Excelsior, and I am today's guest, Cassidy Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like an old video game, like, gun. Oh, my gosh. We'll just be quiet or, like, careful. Yeah. So I'm here with Cassidy. Hello. Hi, Cassidy. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. You're teaching me so much about my stuff. <laughs> like you're helping me with my recording gear. I'm always willing to help. That's I'll awesome. That if I'm able to. That is awesome. So Cassidy is a sound engineer and a musician. Yes. Cool. He's helping me. I love it. This is so <laughs> great. I'm learning so much. But, um, yeah, so we have moved my studio to my living room today because there's supposed to be a snowstorm, but it's, like, really nothing happening. Not until 8. Yeah, Yeah. and we have so much time. (laughs) We could have done at the studio, but this is fine. This is great. Um, But, yeah, thanks for coming on, and this is your third time being on my podcast. It is. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first real, like, long time, though. Yeah, live. Extended. And we get to know you more. Yeah, exactly. Last time you were just standing in Home Depot with um, a bunch of toilets. Yeah, I was waiting to pick up a uh, a Penske truck for a wedding gig. Oh, cool. So I was like, well, let's do this. Yeah, fine. So with the wedding gigs, are you, you're doing like the sound and Mm -hmm. what do you do for weddings? I do the audio. Um, So I'll go to like most Fridays and Saturdays I'm spent going like pick up the truck, bring it to the shop. We load the truck with all the audio gear, bring it out to the place around like one or two. And then we'll spend the time setting up all the speakers for the cocktail, for the ceremony, the microphones, and then I work mostly for a band or a company called Rock With You out of um, um, Florida, Miami, Florida. We fly in DJs from the East Coast and the Southeast, and then we hire local musicians. So it's fusion. So we'll have a DJ playing, and then there'll be like a horn section and a drummer and a bass guitar player. Sometimes we have dancers. Mostly for like mitzvahs and oh, stuff. Oh wow! But um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the, the tea. The tea um, <laughs> um, yeah. So then I'll run sound throughout the whole thing for speeches and dinner and for the band, and then tear down until two or three in the morning. Bring it back to the shop and call that it a night. Sounds so fun. <laughs> it is. It's it can huh. be fun. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's a lot of work. Definitely yeah. <laughs> a lot of work because weddings are a lot of work. I know yeah. that. Yeah. And you do a lot too. And now, now with this, the audio, you do, like, speeches, and do you ever work with, like, video, like, videographers doing their sound, or? I always have a line ready for the photographer and videographers okay. out of my board, because they always want to pull sound, oh, they always want to pull 
they always want to pull uh, audio from the speeches and from the band and stuff, like from my board. So I always have a cable, but they don't know. They're like, they never know what cable they need. <laughs> yeah, they don't. So, so I have all of them ready to go. Oh, that's cool. Because yeah. <laughs> like, do I need XLR, RCA? Do they need a quarter inch cable? Like, do they? They should be paying you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> no, I'm just. It's just easy. It's just like, yeah. just take it. I send them a signal, and that's it. Oh, so. cool. So is that what you like? So tell me about yourself. Let's start. I feel like we jumped in kind of into like well, the we wedding stuff. Well, we were already stuff. doing audio mm-hmm. stuff, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, so tell me about like how you got into all of this. Yeah, so I've been interested in audio and music since I was like 15, 16. I've been singing my entire life. I've oh, been singing cool. since I was like five. Um, I got into it because, an interesting story, um, I, remember, I remember this very clearly too. I'm maybe like five years old, and it was for my. Uh, I was grew, raised Catholic, and we had a Christmas program, and it was me and my friend Brett and my friend Andrew, who we were all the same age. Uh, the three of us were supposed to sing Silent Night, mm-hmm. um, and so it came up to our turn. And the the accompanist all of a sudden just like wasn't there; oh. she didn't show up, and so Brett and Andrew panicked. But for some reason, I just, like, walked up to the microphone and was like, I'm singing anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and I just started belting out Silent Night. And, like, I don't know, for some, that kind of, like, triggered. That's so cool. Like, people were like, that was so cool. And uh, so, like, I started singing. I've been singing my entire life, uh, choirs and vocal training ensembles and things like that. Um, and then I got into, like, wanting to be in punk rock and emo oh. when I was, like, 15. Because that was, that was the trend back then, right? Yeah, exactly. Like I don't know how old you are. I'm are 35 you? years old. Okay, so we're about the same, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. so yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> Go to Hot Top and get with the big old oh, yeah. jeans with the chains on them yeah. or the pants with the chains on them and, and the, the spiked bracelets and listen to a lot of, like, um, Taking Back Sunday and Blink-182. Oh, I love Taking Back and, Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> and Cursive. And I, like, 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 I remember when somebody was like, you sound like an emo band. And I was like, yeah, emotional. That like, I didn't know what that was because being from a small town, I was like, didn't have access to anything that wasn't country and oh. 80s rock for the most part. Oh, really? Was we, that big? Yeah, because like, we didn't have Napster and the internet was just starting. So like, we didn't have like You didn't have Napster? <laughs> I did, I did. I remember when Napster came about, I like was like 16 years old, I think. Yeah. And, and uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to use my hands a lot. That's okay. And uh, um, I think I, the first thing I downloaded was a Metallica song from the Mission Impossible soundtrack. Cool. Which, which is funny because they were like the big ones against Napster. <laughs> That's really funny, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then that was the first one you downloaded. Mm-hmm. I love and it. So, I uh, got into audio. I bought my first PA system off a musician's friend <laughs> when I was 15 years old, 16 years old, and a little Tascam recorder my friend had. And so um, I didn't really get in professionally into it until I was like 22, I think. Okay. So I, um, I actually worked in healthcare. I worked in group homes and people with developmental mental disabilities from the age of 15 on as well. Oh. And so I kind of started there. I thought I was going to be a rock star instead, you know, I was like, I'll just yeah. do those. I went to McNally Smith College of Music in 2005 um, and dropped out, mm. didn't do very well. I kind of left the school thinking, I'm like, I'm never going to run sound, like, that, yeah. I'm not, this is not what I want to do. Why and is that? I just wasn't getting it. I think school learning wasn't working for me. Yeah. I didn't feel very confident. It was very expensive and put me into a lot of debt, and so mm. I was like, am I going to even be able to afford the gear to be able to run sound yeah and i just like i failed out of all my classes i just wasn't getting it 
for yeah. some reason. And so I was like, I'll just stick to healthcare and being a musician. But that was around 2006. Mm-hmm. And so I was working at a group home until 2000, throughout that entire time up until 2007 when the economy crashed. Mm-hmm. So then all of a sudden my healthcare job, which was pretty cushy, went away. Like cut my pay to $8 an hour from oh. like 15 to like 40 hours a week to 20. Like I was on track to becoming a supervisor and supervising my own homes. And they like had to put a block on that. And I was just like, they wanted me to quit. They didn't want to fire me because I didn't have a reason to fire me. So I ended up unemployed for like six or seven months until a friend oh. gave me a, a monitor gig position running bands uh, for like a party band. I ran their monitors and set up all their, their equipment. And just kind of kept going from there. I was like, okay, maybe I am good at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Isn't that interesting? I don't know. Like, you just maybe you just weren't ready to do it, like the mindset. Yeah, I wasn't mentally prepared. I yeah. Think, for even, I think I was even too young to even take a supervisor job at the time. Yeah. Like, I still had a lot of uh, screwing up to do, I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. Because I hadn't addressed, like, my addiction yet either, so. Yeah. Yeah, I'm kind of glad I didn't get that supervisor position. Really? Yeah. What do you think would have happened if you do? Like, where do you think you would have been? I think I would have ended up the same place I would have ended up now, I think, mm-hmm. um, with letting my addiction take over and losing the job anyways. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. And when <laughs> so, did you, so your addiction, um, when did you address that? When I was two, like, actually just three years ago. Like, so I, like, uh, we discussed a little bit earlier, I have uh, three years of sobriety. Congratulations. Um, almost four in July is what it is. July 18th. Exciting. 2018 is when I got clean. Um, so I didn't address it until maybe a year prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried. You know, I knew it was a problem, and I knew I had made mistakes, and I tried to get clean and mm-hmm. quit doing drugs and still drink. And... Um, but it wasn't. But it was all just kind of like white knuckling it. Like I'll just go six months and then I'll be fine. Yeah. And then I can start drinking again. Which I feel like a lot of people do start that way, right? Because yeah. they're like, oh, I can just do this and be normal and just know that I can do it. And then right. they do, it and then it just goes back to normal. Yeah, or, I feel like I can control it. Yeah, you know, like yeah, I'm gonna yeah, be yeah. able to drink like a normal person. I'm gonna be yeah. able to do drugs like a normal person, yeah. which is a funny <laughs> thing to say in general. <laughs> you know. Uh, is it? I have a question though. Is yeah. Is there such thing as like a normal person just doing drugs? I think that there are. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I, I do know that you can use it as like a medicine or like a yeah. enhancement or whatever. Depends. Like I, I've known people that have been able to do like cocaine, and they like do a line or two, and they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Or they'll see it and not want to do it, you know? like. I mean, I'm that person. I don't like cocaine. <laughs> yeah. I've done my fair share, and I've never really liked it. Right. I'll like do I, a little bit, and I'm like, eh. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, And that's what I think the difference between addiction and even heavy use is, is like, like I'll do it, and I'll have the same reaction. Like, I, I don't like it, but I yeah. won't stop. Like, I'll, like, even though I'm not having a good time, yeah. I'll continue to just do it for some reason right like I have friends will be like oh well, me and my friends get together once a year and we play music and we'll do some drugs we'll do mushrooms and cocaine and we'll just do that once a year yeah like, wow that's crazy to me cause yeah if I do it I'm gonna spend all of my money and I'm gonna do it for weeks yeah <laughs> like it won't stop it's and that's what I always say it's hard to know when the party's over you know yeah, I don't want it's like it sometimes I'm like eh, this is fun keep going 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Doesn't matter what the cost is. Yeah, I do. I do notice that. Um, I, I've known some people who, like, drinking or drugs or anything. It's like they don't like the icky come down, so they'll yeah. keep the high going. And it's almost yeah. like they don't want to feel icky. So that's weird too. Like, imagine being hungover and feeling like crap and just wanting just keep drinking, just keep it going, that's so you don't a, ever have to feel it. Yeah. Well, that's that's a very real thing. Like. Going in, I went into treatment. I started off by going into treatment after I gave up and white knuckling wasn't happening. It's not like I wanted to go to treatment either. Like, I really did screw my life up and hurt a lot of my friends and family. Um, and I wasn't forced into treatment, but it was like mm-hmm. I need to either do that or die. It yeah. was either one or the other for me. And so I went into treatment and um, I forgot where I was gonna go with that though um never feeling icky is oh yeah yeah yeah. so then i I met people and i went i went into treatment for two months in inpatient treatment um out in stillwater at cedar ridge the ridge is what we always said and then i went to outpatient treatment for a year at new way in northeast minneapolis so it was like four hours a day three days a week lived in a sober house the whole time and i met a lot of people that had been doing heroin or meth and Mm -hmm. so they had lived like totally normal lives no trauma no addiction in the family they maybe broke a leg you know had a bad injury they went to the doctor and the doctor gave them a ton of opium wow like based like medications and kept upping their prescription and all of a sudden then the country is like oh no we this is dangerous we can't do this and they just took it all away and so the come downs were awful so to go back to that point it's like the come down is terrible so where did they go they they went and got heroin from a friend or they, oh and then all of a sudden they're living on the street they're like they're like mothers of three that lived in in, in a small town rural minnesota that were just like never even really drank that much and now they're heroin addicts oh and they're my shooting gosh. heroin that's because crazy. the come down is awful and that's what keeps people wow. going is just like i don't know it's it's hard to overcome that and i think alcoholics a lot of times have the same problem where it's like well this hangover sucks just keep it yeah keep it going wow and heroin come downs are the worst like it's kind of weird but you wouldn't think it like i don't know if any you know anyone listening or you have watched train spotting have you seen that movie like withdrawing off of heroin sucks it's the worst Mm -hmm. thing ever but you're not going to die from it yeah most of the time Mm -hmm. uh it's going to be terrible you're going to feel awful but and it's going to feel like you're dying but when alcohol it doesn't feel as awful but you're higher chance of actually dying from an alcohol withdrawal. Yeah, it's like way more dangerous crazy. than heroin. Isn't it, people? But it's so legal. Yeah. <laughs> that's the crazy part to me. <laughs> right. It, yeah. It's like, it's, that's like weird like that that's, and of course this conversation's been happening for 40 years, but that's legal, but, her, but marijuana is not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like there's none it of those side make, effects. And none of it makes sense. And yeah, the marijuana thing, it just... Minnesota needs to get on board with that, too. Yeah. Just I know we pretend to be pr- so progressive. And yeah, we're way behind. Yeah, when you look at I'm, the numbers, we're way behind on everything. I mean, the progressive I think is just like around the city mostly, yeah. and then there's a big chunk of Minnesota that's we don't even know about because we're in our little bubble. <laughs> yep, I know, it's, and I'm from the I'm yeah. From I was gonna say you know all so about like, that. I'm very aware of like the the mentality of like the small town and 
Um, What's it like to grow up in a small town in Minnesota? It was great, honestly, up until I was 14, 15 years old, because Mm -hmm. there was a lot of freedom. You know, like you see people post memes about, like, when I was a kid, we could just leave in the morning and come back at 8 o'clock and we'd go hanging out at the junkyard. And and that's how it was, though. It was like, I could leave at 10 a.m., and then I would come home when it got dark out, and my mom didn't have to ask me where we were. We just... I lived in a poor neighborhood, so there were a lot of kids. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if there's any correlation there. Yeah. But, uh, uh, yeah, it was just like, just go out on an adventure and do whatever the heck I want. Like you got to run around. Yeah. That's so cool. I can't so imagine cool. letting my kid do that. No, right? Yeah. You look so sad. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit, you know? Yeah. It and is sad. Yeah. yeah. He's nine, and I can, can't let him go to the playground by himself. Right. Uh, there's one across the street sometimes. No, but I'm still looking. Right, yeah. Like you're watching <laughs> constantly because it's a scary world now. And yeah. I mean, maybe it's always scary. I don't know. But I guess I maybe know. just more of a city is scarier. I don't yeah. know. Did your family ever freak out about like the Jacob Wetterling? I remember seeing posters at our school um, oh, wow. about him missing. Yeah. But there wasn't ever any like, there wasn't any kind of panic. Like people didn't hold their kids closer. Yeah. And, um, Maybe that's just a lot of how I was raised. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of babysitters growing up, so there was a little bit less freedom, or a lot more freedom there. But Yeah. Yeah, I do remember um, being able to go outside and play, and then it, whenever the streetlights came on, you just go home. Yeah. Yeah. It's oh, just like, yeah, or sometimes my neighbor, my neighbor who lived next door, her mother... But I was just yell like yeah. as loud as she can out the door, like just use her <laughs> so loud crazy. voice, and we'd hear like, "Oh, that's your mom. We gotta go." Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's awesome. And you grew up in the area then? I grew up yeah in Apple Valley, so nice. south of yeah. yeah Minneapolis, but not quite in the city. But yeah, I still got to run around and yeah. do stuff. Get you know, get dirty. Different times. It's so different. <laughs> yeah, so different. But yeah. So, um, okay. Yeah, living in a small town was great until I was 15, and then it was boring. Yeah. And as soon as I turned 18, I was like, I'm getting out of here. I've been, I'm a city boy. I just yeah. I love it. I, don't, I, lo- I love Minneapolis. Like, I've traveled the country a lot, and I've loved other cities, but I don't ever want to move out of this city. I don't yeah. Think. Yeah, I really like Minneapolis a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also just being close to family I don't I have family here and it's like I don't really want to be away from them yeah. you know it's, I'm already far enough away like if you go south it's always hot <laughs> like, I know yeah I feel like that's why everyone's always so angry when they're from the south <laughs> yeah and they move slower <laughs> it's just, right right it's just too hot I, I mean when it gets hot here I'm just like oh, I hate everybody I really I hate yeah everything. I don't want to go outside <laughs> I, I love the heat but yeah. I also like the winter I mean sometimes yeah. It's nice. Yeah. It makes things feel cleaner, clear. I feel tough. Yeah. <laughs> That's also really smart. And my kid, he's a winter kid. I don't know. He's nothing like me and his mom um, as far as that goes. Like, ever since he's been three and could figure out the window button, he would oh. be, like, 30 below and, like, going down the highway, and he wants the window down. Oh, like my he's gosh. He's just like, oh, it feels so good. I'm like, I 
what? Where did you come from? If right. you didn't look exactly like me, like me, I yeah. have my doubts. Your kid looks just like you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's no doubt that he's my kid. I know. I've seen pictures. He I was like, dang, is that a picture of you as a kid or is that your kid? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's weird. We're both growing our hair out together. That's so cute. We decided we're going to go all the way down to the top of our butts. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. I don't know if I can actually get there, but yeah. you, know, you probably can. Kids can. Yeah. It's hard to grow your hair as an adult. Right. I don't know. Mine slows. Does yours slow? I don't know. Have you had long hair? It's slowed down, yeah. Yeah, mine bit. too. Yeah. Ugh. It's all right. Getting old sucks. <laughs> you know, it's tough. Our hair <laughs> can't get as long. I know. But that's awesome. So, okay, so, you, so you're three years, almost four years sober. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like, do you love it? I do. do you, does your life feel better, like more clear? Infinitely better. I think that, it, and this isn't just completely the alcohol and drugs that hindered me, but it was like this mentality, you know, I talked about the group homes and I was getting somewhere and then I was, I felt like there was a few points in my life doing audio that I was got, I got good jobs and uh, I've tried all these different careers and I feel like I got to a certain point but then I hindered myself from getting past the, uh, the certain level mm-hmm. um, and I've always I had always been a trustworthy person and an honest person for the most part you know um, my entire life but like you're a good person yeah yeah like the, the alcohol was always kind of a problem and I thought that it was okay to get drunk every weekend it's just a thing I do on the weekends yeah and but it was it was it was hindering me mentally it was hindering me physically and I had a lot of un unlooked into mental health issues as far as anxiety and ADD yeah. and and depression and things like that that I never dealt with that like alcohol could solve yeah and I always knew I had a uh Predilection is that the word? I always I always knew I had addictive tendencies because yeah. coming from a family that struggles with addiction, alcoholism, and all those things. Um, I knew that I was capable. I, I knew that if I did heavy drugs, mm-hmm. I'm done for. I knew the path that I would take. Like, yeah. I, I just like and it, it, you it, and break it came the cycle. True. And so like I had this line where like alcohol's fine, weed is fine. But heroin, meth, and cocaine were above this line. Just do not touch them. I never touched cocaine until I was 27 years old. Oh, no. And everything that I predicted happened. Because I started going to music festivals. I had a band called The Evil Creatures. Um, and we were playing, like, 13 festivals one summer. And so we were... Oh, fun. You should have been, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I started doing things like Molly and Ecstasy and Acid and things like that. Right. That and I didn't get addicted. You, you know, did not. Because I didn't like the feeling of coming down for three days after molly i didn't like being that up and over yeah but what happened was that i kept telling myself well if i can do molly and not become addicted Mm -hmm. well cocaine isn't as bad like it doesn't get me as up and i don't feel as bad the next day so yeah i put cocaine below that line and then so i started doing cocaine at the age of 27 and everything that i predicted would happen happened i started um spending my rent money instead of paying rent I got my me and my girlfriend kicked out of our apartment and like I started lying all the time I started yeah. taking ten dollars here twenty dollars there um and that's when I started like like 30 years old 31 32 probably 32 years old I started to try to quit you know mm-hmm. I had a kid when I was 27 as well or mm-hmm. 29 and so I wanted to quit and kept trying to quit and white knuckling it without actually doing any of the real work, like yeah. on my mental health and all that stuff. 
and uh it got worse like i i wasn't they didn't nobody knew i was doing drugs i lived with someone for two years and they didn't know i was really? doing drugs in the bathroom and then i would come out and sit and watch tv with them and just lie 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 and then the stealing got worse i stole like 180 dollars from a friend oh and like stole like adderall from a partner mm-hmm. and it just like it just kept getting worse and worse and worse until honestly it all came crashing down and it was a weird feeling because when it all came out and I just finally was honest and admitted to all the awful things that I had done, um, it actually felt better. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know if she'll be listening, but I would never say that to the person I had to come clean to about all the lies and stealing. Yeah. But there was a huge weight lifted off my shoulder in yeah. a sense. You know, I put it on to someone else, and that's not fair either. But, mm-hmm. um so yeah like so then going into treatment was like starting over felt like a kid again i was at a cabin with a bunch of other men a lot of ex-cons um, <laughs> playing volleyball and, and ring toss and yeah uh, going to the beach and going to classes and my three meals were provided each day and it's funny like you could line us all up we come in all emaciated and skinny and, and unhealthy and like practically dead and it's like you could line us all up in a picture like a like a sped up picture time lapse Aww. it's like you're pumping us slowly with a with like a like a bike pump you know? like <laughs> we all start to put on weight and our cheeks start to fill out and our That's eyes start so to clear cool. up you know like i've met people that it's given me a perspective on like people who are asking for change or like a dollar yeah. on, on the street like you see their eyes and in my mind i'd always be like oh this person's gone like, yeah that person's gone for forever like they're just like that now yeah i see those people come in and I'd be like, oh my gosh, this guy's gonna be my roommate. This guy can hardly even hold his head up, and he's like, he's uh, saying crazy, insane things, and three days of sleep and a few meals, and he's like, oh, I'm a drummer, like I, you know, like he's like one of the coolest guys I've ever met in my entire oh, life. Wow. You know, it's just the like, uh, there's hope for everyone. I love, I love hearing that. Like just yeah. like the fact that you know, oh, just seeing people get better. I know. It's and just, uh, so. Yeah, so it's way better now because yeah. I had to acknowledge that I had to acknowledge my trauma. I had mm-hmm. to acknowledge my um, mental health, and so I started taking medications for the first time. Mm-hmm. I started going like doing EMDR therapy, the eye therapy, mm-hmm. um, seeing a therapist every week. Wait, um, wait, EMDR? Maybe I don't know. What EMDR that is. is I can't remember what it stands for. It's eye movement. Uh, something I can't remember something in response. So basically, this this therapist had found out that when you have someone follow a light with like a little like laser or light or whatever, yeah, um, moving from left to right, and she'll ask them personal questions about their history and trauma and stuff. Usually starts pretty light, and as they like, if 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 they hit something that they might be hiding or might be like tucked away or something that wow. might be tra- traumatic, their eyes would move a certain way. So she'd stop there and she'd ask questions about that and kind of dive deeper. And it feels it, like now that it's like more like um, vibrations left and right. And you close your eyes and you you go down a you kind of go down a path mentally into like a, a certain specific situation. And then you come out of it after a minute or two and you talk about it. Oh wow! And they kind of see where the trauma. And you start to like relive these moments. Whoa! And you take those moments and you replace them. Like say it was an abusive parent or something, which I did not have. Um, uh, you would replace the parent with a person you've already created that would like, what did you need in that time? 
Yeah. Um, and you would replace that person with what you needed and, and oh. take the bad stuff out. It's like you're literally going into my your own brain and healing the specific spots. It feels like you're literally physically going in there Whoa. and healing those things. And you're not just like pretending that that never happened, but you're, you're reliving them. And it can be hard to do. Yeah. It, you know, it took like months of preparation before we actually even started going to those places. Whoa, I've never heard of that. That's fascinating. It was really great and really helpful. Like p things in my life that I didn't think were traumatizing. I was yeah. like, wow, actually, there's a reason I remember what happened to me when I was three because because it was traumatizing. I didn't yeah. realize it. Like I had replaced it with false memories that weren't healing in any way. Yeah. And made light of the situation. Whoa. So like all those things and exercise and like, and surrounding myself with like better people, like life is way better now. I can, I've, I've found success in every single thing I do in life because I don't have such high expectations for myself. I have realistic expectations and I stopped hindering myself like getting rid of the anxiety is what basically was holding me back for so long and mm -hmm. the only time I didn't feel anxiety is when I was drinking or doing drugs yeah <laughs> self-medicating <laughs> exactly so I know yeah I know yeah. how that is I suffer with anxiety too yeah a lot of times I drink is to feel nothing <laughs> to not yeah. feel it exactly it, like it hides it okay <laughs> so like life is better like before dealing with anxiety it was like people would send me a text message and yeah. be like, hey, I got this gig. That's $400. Do you want it? And I'd be like, oh, my God, responding to that feels like the most intense and awful thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah. And I just wouldn't take the opportunities. And I would get more responsibility and I would just bail because I didn't want to have the anxiety of being responsible for something or somebody. So, okay. So that was just like just your anxiety. Yeah, just straight Just anxiety. straight anxiety. Yeah. Interesting, because I feel like I know a lot of people like that. Yeah. Who get, like, nervous about things that are just simple because, yeah, yeah. interesting. And that's the thing. It's, like, it's not, like, like, all those things are still there. My anxiety is still there. My depression is still there. But I've learned to accept that they're there mm -hmm. and to be able to work. Now I have the tools. Recovery is giving me, so it's not just about quitting drinking and quitting drugs, because yeah. those were just symptoms of my inner problems yeah those were just things I used to not deal with the things that I had going on in my life and so quitting those definitely helped but yeah I could quit those and still be a piece of shit yeah <laughs> you know like I can quit doing drugs and alcohol yeah and not do any of the work and still fail and still be awful yeah. and still steal and still lie and like yeah so it was like I quit those things got those things out of my system and then I had to do the tough work of having to go through the mental aspect of it yeah and so wow. Now that I have the tools to be able to work through that with exercise and friends and or fellowship, I should say, most more likely, um, I can do things more with my music. And yeah. I found a lot of success through audio, and I've I found a lot of success as a parent. And and like I can surround myself with with people. Like, this is so dark, but like I have like one or two friends where we just talk, they openly talk about their constant struggle with thoughts of suicide mm -hmm. you know like they'll just like we'll be at a show and they'll just be like oh yeah i've been feeling like killing myself a lot lately and it's not like like my group of friends is so healthy that it's not like we all panic and we're all oh, like they just feel comfortable talk like i can yeah. talk about my mental health with my friends and they can talk about it with their friends it's like we know that the sign isn't that they actually want to but they're, they're just how they their brain works yeah you know it's just yeah. who they are as a person yeah. And so I'm happy to be surrounded by people that, like, if I talk about the mental health struggles I'm having, 
it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. They don't look down on me. They don't panic and try to think that they have to fix me. Sure. It's just like somebody says that something like that to me or I say something like them about how I'm struggling. They're like, oh, it's like, sorry to hear that. Is there anything I can do to help? Most of the time it's like, no, I'll be fine. I just, yeah, need to I, let it out. There's a funny... I'm gonna, uh, if I have ranting, cut me off any time. You're fine. This is all But good. there was this guy from uh, Hazelden in Minnesota here, a mm-hmm. treatment facility. He <laughs> had a... It was a video we watched, and he had a, like a motivational speaking thing, and he had this stupid puppet, and he doesn't know how to do the ventriloquism at all, so his mouth <laughs> is moving the entire time, and the puppet's name was Slick, and the puppet was supposed and he tried to give it a Boston accent, but he's Minnesotan, and oh it was awful to listen to. But so I think he was it, just really bad at it. <laughs> it was important, though, because Slick was made to represent... Uh, the thoughts of addiction and thoughts of using and thoughts of and, and mental health and because addiction is very sneaky there's so many times that I quit and started up again because my mind is like you know what you're doing really good like yeah. it's slick is in your head you're doing really good job yeah. at um, being sober for so long you've been working so hard and you just deserve a break you just just have a beer like you've been just don't go to them you've been to so many meetings you don't have to go to the meetings just just play video games for a few days yeah. you know like don't take on this responsibility like you've been doing so well you know like those are positive things but it's your addiction saying like just let it go just just give in yeah. you know and then i would and in your head when it, when those thoughts sit in your head they're the most profound and most genius ideas you've ever had like yeah you're right like i should just relapse i should just yeah. <laughs> i should just stop going to aa meetings and i should stop hanging yeah. out with my friends i should quit my job you know because uh. this one thing and uh. i think that what's important like with like the mental health and being able to talk to about it openly uh, and my struggle openly is because the moment that you say it out loud it sounds yeah. like that stupid puppet it sounds yeah. it's like why was i thinking that yeah. you know like I can say, like, I, I thought four in the morning last night, I all of a sudden had this urge to buy a ball and go to a hotel and just and just, and just just use drugs. Yeah. But now I can accept that and be like, hey, I hear you. Say it out loud to my sponsor, to a friend, and then realize how dumb it sounds. It, yeah. it, I think all the power is taken away from it as soon as you get it out into yeah. the world. It, it's, just, it's just like, now it's just that stupid, silly little puppet and I can just be like, I see you and I accept you <laughs> for who you are, but you're just going to have to like stay over there yeah. for a while. <laughs> you know? I love that so much. That's such a great visual. And so, yeah, so life is, life is way better. Yeah. <laughs> life is still hard, mm-hmm. a lot. We've all been through a lot with the pandemic. Yeah. I still... I'm always at risk of screwing things up and I still make mistakes. I still slip into lying sometimes. Mm-hmm. I still slip. I haven't slipped into stealing more than maybe like some food or something. Yeah. You know, like, but I, it's those little things I can't do. I can't, the little white lies, yeah. the little bits of stealing can devolve very quickly into something awful. So yeah. now I have the tools to be able to to work through those things quickly. And mm-hmm. like things that used to throw me off for days are only like, a deep breath away from just feeling better yeah that's awesome that's so awesome now like were you always like I always wonder because I feel like there's a lot of people out there who have an addiction but they don't realize that they do they just think that they're normal or fine and I feel like I see that more often than not 
Yeah. Like, were you ever like that, or did you, did you always be like I? Because I feel like there's different personalities, like personalities of people who are like, oh, I have this problem, and I know I have this problem, and I need help, and I need to figure it out. Or there's, you know, does that make sense? It like, does. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Um, early on with the drinking, mm-hmm. I was like, this is fine. This is normal drinking. Mm-hmm. Like, it's normal to get drunk every Friday, Saturday. It's normal to play a show and get up on stage and not remember getting off stage. Yeah. You know? Like, it's normal. Like, a, you normalize it. It's normal to wake up in a cornfield in Iowa when you were in Rochester the night before. Like, well, yeah. what a cool punk rock story to tell someone. Yeah. You know, like, this is fine. This is, I'm young, you know. Um, but I started drinking when I was 14. It was mm-hmm. just so accepted. Like, I was at a family reunion. My uncle, my cousins, my mom's cousin's cousin or whatever was like, how old are you? I'm like, I'm 14. And they're like, oh, that's old enough. And started giving me alcohol. And yeah. I was like, for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, I feel great. I don't feel anxious. I feel like I can talk to my friends. I feel like I yeah. can be cool. Yeah. And so for me, like, it was normal to just drink. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'd have, like... The, like you mentioned earlier, like I'd come home and have a, I'd have a beer and like I was just a, a beer would turn into a six pack or a twelve yeah. pack. I wouldn't get drunk, but I did that every single night. It just relaxed. You yeah. think you trick you, like you, the voices in your head. They're like, no, this I'm relaxing, but really it's like I mean for me I would, I would just be up. I'd be like, let's do stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, alcohol gets me fired it. up. It does not make me <laughs> <Right>. tired. <laughs> But then, so, but then there was points where I started lying to myself, like, so once I started uh, doing cocaine more, um, and then that started to become an actual problem, um, most of the time, it was like, I would do it, mm-hmm. and like, I would have to do it, like, I would want, that's all I could think about, and so, but in my mind, like, this is gonna be exciting, we're gonna have, so I'm gonna just play video games all night long, and mm-hmm. I'd go pick it up, and I'd do whatever I could get to get the money to go pick it up, and then... I would do it all night and I would hate the entire time and then I would hate myself the morning after mm-hmm. and some of those mornings I remember the one specific time where I was laying on a couch at work um, I had been up it wasn't the night before but the night before that I'd been up all night I was feeling really low and I was just I broke down and I was mm-hmm. like I thought I was texting my girlfriend at the time and I was like hey I need help I have a problem this was early on before I really screwed things up too. Oh wow! And then I fell asleep and I woke up and this is what happened every time I'd fall asleep after a binge and yeah. I'd wake up and I'd be like, "Oh, I made it. I'm fine. I'm fine. You're alive. Let's do it again. Yeah. Like it yeah. won't be as bad this time. I just won't do this thing this time. I can control it this time. I'll just. I work tomorrow at ten, but if I stop doing it at six, I can get a few hours of sleep before I go to work and I'll be fine. Oh, you know. Gosh, yeah. And but I ended up. I turned out. I turned. I texted my sister, and Uh-oh. then I was like, "Oh." I lied to her because then I'm feeling better. I lied to her about what that text meant, and yeah. I never told my girlfriend that I had a problem. And maybe I would have ended it right there. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. I didn't, and I, I just let it get worse. So there were points where, like, I would want to stop. I'm never going to do this again. I don't like this life. I hated it oh, every yeah. single step of the way. I hated who I was becoming. But as soon as I felt better or I got $80 in my pocket I'm like alright well I, I don't care this is gonna be fun I'm gonna have so much fun I deserve yeah. this yeah it's <laughs> almost like this. your treat like you almost live to to do that almost it's and I think and I think it's um thank you for like talking about this openly yeah. because um again I just I know a lot of people in my life like just surrounding like I, I work at a bar <laughs> yeah. I've worked at a bar forever so I know a lot of people who 
I, I see have issues and I don't think that they will ever address them. You know, yeah. they just walk around like that. And That's so the it's, toughest part about yeah. all of it is that like, you can't tell anyone they're an alcoholic. That's not up to us. We can't, we're not allowed, we can't really tell, we no. can't force somebody into getting help. All mm-hmm. we can really do is say, you know, I love you and I'm here to support you and here are the resources. We have the resources if if you want help. Yeah. We're here for you. And yeah. And then that's, that, I guess that was important too because before I went into treatment, my friends, knew, some of my friends knew I had a problem mm-hmm. and my friend Sarah, for example, like she saved my life I think and she's still like one of my closest friends Mm -hmm. um she was like Cassidy you should come to an AA meeting sometime just uh, you know like not because you have a problem but because I want you to see like what my life is like and I want you to see what recovery is like and in my mind I'm like yeah I don't have a problem I'm just doing this for Sarah and I went into my first AA meeting before I decided to actually even get help yeah and I walked in and I just started crying yeah no idea why Whoa. And like uh, they they gave me a first chip and a bunch of people told me they loved me and they had never met me <laughs> oh, before and they so gave cool. me hugs and they made the meeting about me and, and the first, and newcomers and the first step of of Alcoholics Anonymous and I, I tried to like say how I did it you know they're like how did you make it you know to twenty they gave me a twenty four hour chip like how'd you do it like this is like the most important chip and I ended up like crying into my friend's chest like the most the uh, I couldn't even speak and it didn't. I didn't stop, but when I did go to treatment, I knew that when I got help, I had those people yeah. there for me. And I think that's really all we can really do for someone is like, when you're ready, I'm here. And that's actually so tough too, because I mentioned my yeah. band, The Evil Creatures. Um, two of them passed away from heroin overdose. Oh, One I'm sorry. was on purpose. And I've lost at least a dozen friends over the last yeah. four or five years to drug and suicide and mental health issues and that's what makes it so tough is because you want to just grab them and punch them in the face and drag them off the treatment and force them to get clean but it's never gonna work it has worked for some people but maybe they got beat up first by their friend you know and brought to treatment and but but at some point they made the decision like i don't want to live like this anymore i want what they have i want to live a better life and like uh, some people I know have been to treatment 13 times and and, like you can it's hard because like some people especially heroin addicts their next use might be their last and you know that and they know that they Mm -hmm. do and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter this is also it's such a helpless feeling yeah but like I said we can only offer support and love and set boundaries yeah <laughs> because yeah, we can't the hard enable one. them yeah. either there's a fine line that's, between enabling and that's the hard one like if like if you're this person's drinking or using buddy but you're you you have it under control <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and and they they clearly like don't like how do you how do you say you have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and that's that would happen to me sometimes. They're like, you need to, you, you have a problem. You need to do better. And I'm like, screw you. I'm going to go out and do worse because that's it. It's like try, taking the poison to try to p- make the other person sick. Yeah. I'm just like, yeah, well, every time someone pushed me to, and was like mad at me or like tried to like force me into getting clean or healthy, I was like, fuck off. No, yeah. I'm, no, I'm going to yeah. go do more now because I have control over myself. You right. You don't do that. I've seen the same thing where like I, like 
you need help, you need help. And they're like, you don't get to tell me that. I'm scared yeah. you and then disappear. Well, yeah. You know? Again, yeah. I mean, even me, just like anyone tells me what to do, I'm like, mm. <laughs> what? Don't, no. Yeah. And I'm like so defined. I'm like, I'm going to do the opposite just to piss you off. Like, yeah, I do. I have exactly. that personality. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone's ever told me that I have a problem. But if they did, I feel like I would do that. You know, yeah. I do. I just so I get it. Right. <laughs> and yeah, it, it's it, it's 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 an impossible feeling sometimes. Yeah, but it, help is there. You know? Yeah, it, I'm grateful that I was able to make that decision, and I'm that grateful to have the family and friends that I had at the time, and still have to support me in that decision. Yeah. Do you ever feel like now after three, um, almost four years, um, you feel like you still have those thoughts of like, no, tonight I could have a beer at the show or, All the time. oh, I have a free beer ticket. Cause I'm sure you get a lot of free drink yeah. tickets. Well, I work in the wedding industry and I work at bars <laughs> oh, and yeah. venues and music festivals and people have drugs and alcohol around me all the time. Yeah. How do you do that? All the time. And like back in the day, and like the I, the biggest trigger I have and had was using dreams. Those were the worst. I could make it six months, and your brain is trying to heal, so your subconscious is still holding on to the thoughts of using, and it still yeah. wants to use. Like you flipped a switch, and that switch it takes like when you start using and you're an addict, you become an addict, and it takes a long time. You're never gonna get that all the way back. Yeah. So, um, what was I? I keep blanking out. Um, I don't know. No, I can't help you pull back. Um. <laughs> um no, um, but I remember one time my sister was asking me that same question mm-hmm. early on. Um, she was like, so do you ever still think about using, how are you using thoughts coming along? And I'm like, oh, all the time, constantly. Like, I shouldn't have said that because then she was like, oh my gosh, we got to get you back into treatment. And I'm like, oh, I will no. always, oh, the using dreams. That's what it was. So then I'll have dreams. I'll go to bed and I'll dream about using and not being able to like oh, trying to wow. get the drugs and trying to get the alcohol and it falls through my fingers or somebody's got it and they won't give it to me and I'll wake up and I'll just be like now I have to go find it and I would always uh-huh. relapse when that happened yeah and so like I said before with all the tools of recovery and all that stuff um I was able to now like if I have a using when I used to have a using thoughts or using dreams it could ruin me for a day to three days. It would be like devastating. It's all I could think about was using and drinking. Um, but now I have the tools where like I will always have those thoughts. I still yeah. lay in bed at four in the morning and sometimes yeah. think about picking up drugs and just getting a hotel and I'll start to plan even. Yeah. And like getting a hotel and just yeah, staying just, there. Just, just staying there because I have a roommate. So, you know, I don't want to yeah. get caught. And then, and then they, they call it playing the tape through. And there's a couple of terms. The first that 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 that. Because like you said, too, like using drugs is not fun after that first time, that first few seconds. And they yeah. call that euphoric, a recall. Your brain only wants to remember the first 10 minutes. So it wants to remember that first hit, that first bump, yeah. that first beer. And we, I've learned to play the tape through. So, okay, I have, I'm laying in bed. It's 4 a.m. I want to pick up. Okay, well, what am I going to do? Where am I going to get it, for one? I'm going to have to go to some shady person or shady place, spend the money I barely have. And then I'm, what, I'm going to go to a hotel, some shitty Super 8 somewhere, and then I'm going to, like, maybe enjoy the first 10 minutes, and I'm going to have a terrible time. I have to leave at 11 a.m., still tweaked out. Then I'm going to have to 
go home and tr- hide for a little bit until I've come down and sleep and I might probably miss work, miss hanging out with my kid. Then I have to start lying to my friends and lying to my family and lying to my sponsor. Yeah. And like, so that euphoric recall, I'm like, oh, I really want to use it because that's so much fun. I can now very quickly go through and play the tape through and cut it out uh, instead of being ruined for a day or two days or three days. Yeah. It only takes a deep mm-hmm. breath sometimes to like, <sighs> like, yeah. okay, no, I'm fine now. Oh, I'm wow. So that's, like, I will always think about using. I don't yeah. think there's a moment in my life where I won't, but it's so much easier to deal with. Yeah, that's wild. That is wild because all that stuff, except you're only getting a little bit of high and then everything else is, like, stressful. Yeah, weeks and months and years. And, like, there was this really, like, the, the woman who owned the treatment center I went to, she put it really well because she started using hard drugs at, like, mm-hmm. seven you know yeah. and she was like she wrote a line and she was like everyone's uh, you know normal is at this line mm-hmm. and you know you drink a little you do some drugs and you you feel high you're going up mm-hmm. and you come down and you go below the line a little bit you're hung over you're, you're coming withdrawing or whatever so you use more to get back up and you're feeling mm-hmm. high again and eventually you, you keep going lower and lower every time you come down to this point where now you're only getting higher drinking to try to get back up to the line and you're yeah. not feeling good anymore. Yeah. And and it's very true that, you know, you hit your rock bottom, and you and it can always get worse. You can, you get to decide what your rock bottom is until death. That's the lowest, of course. Yeah. Like it can always keep digging. You and so when you hit your rock bottom that you've decided is the end, you can use recovery to get back up to that line. Yeah. And, but the thing is, is like if I decide to start using again, I'm not going to start over. I'm not yeah. going to go up a little bit and feel high yeah. and happy and go down. I'm gonna go right back to bottom. Right. Instantly, I'm gonna go right back to bottom. Like if I use a little bit, if I have a beer, it's over. And I've yeah. I've tried. I, I would have a beer or two at, at on the West Bank, and all of a sudden it's months later, and I'm like, well, how did I end up here? How did I get here? <laughs> like I just had a beer. Is that you know? crazy? Like, wow. Yeah, it's crazy how our brains are powerful. Like, right. Too. Wow. Well. Yeah, that is awesome. You're really strong. That's I appreciate like, that. Yeah, like I said, I work in the industry with mm-hmm. beer, and lots of stuff happens. And I've been working there for like in the service industry for like over 13 years. You see everything, and there's a lot of people who just run around being that person yeah. their whole life, you know. And I just maybe I'm biased because I'm a I'm the one serving them alcohol, <laughs> yeah. but. Um, yeah, I just I wish people could, you know, not have to live in that state all the time. Yeah. So And I think that's why it's important. Like I know I, I'm all for Alcoholics Anonymous, but I feel like the anonymous piece has to go away a little bit. Like everyone is, should be allowed their anonymity by choice. Mm-hmm. But like I feel like if ending the stigma over addiction and not and, and ending the criminalization of addiction and drug mm-hmm. use and alcohol, um and talking about it more, being open more, encouraging people to like, if people can see, there are people that have never been able to even glimpse what it's like to be sober. Yeah. You know, to anyone who is sober, they're not around it. Like they don't yeah. know, like I feel like to end to end trashing someone because they're an addict and currently in active use needs to go away so yeah. that more people feel comfortable coming into it. Yeah, and what's up with like, What's up with people being like, oh, 
when you go out, I'm not drinking, or like, oh, I don't drink. And people are like, why, what's wrong with you? Why, what'd you do? (laughs) What? Is it a legal thing? Yeah, like, like, they're just so curious. Like, why can't there just also be people out there that just, like, genuinely just don't want to drink when they're out? I have a friend who, he's not an addict, um, kind of for health reasons, kind of for spiritual reasons. He just doesn't want to drink. Yeah. He was a normie, I guess. Yeah. You know, and... Is that what they're called, normies? I, that's what we call them behind oh, the scenes. Yeah. Don't tell anyone. But oh. <laughs> no, I'm joking. No, I'm <laughs> I feel like <laughs> but, I've heard that term. I just wanted to clarify. Okay. Right, like my roommate's a normie. Like yeah. that I've only seen them kind of buzzed once in the two years that I've known them. Yeah. Um, they don't drink. There's could be a bottle of liquor in the house for yeah. ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they just like um, it reminds me of a story my friend told about how he went out for lunch brunch with his family and everyone got like drinks and, yeah. and beers and whatever and he did but to, to their two, one or two beers that they had he had like six or seven mm-hmm. at lunch and he noticed that not all of them even finished their first beer they were like mm-hmm. half full beers and so everybody was leaving and he's like you guys are crazy like you're wasting this perfectly good beer like he's like you guys are completely insane and they left and he went back and he drank all their beers real quickly and he oh the whole time God. thinking you guys are insane for not finishing your beers wow. when he was obviously the very insane person yeah <laughs> that's yeah like that like oh yeah i always think that when people are like alcohol abuse like that quote, i'm like <laughs> i'm pretty sure that alcohol is abusing you <laughs> so um i always hated that i'm like really like it's just you treat it like the way people treat alcohol or like you go to a party and it's just like constantly like what are we drinking mm-hmm. and i mean i get it like you yeah. know like bring a bottle of wine but like sometimes party just means like let's get fucked up mm-hmm. when for me i'm like i don't know i don't know about that yeah. but yeah and i don't know what it is either like i'm i myself am open to explaining to someone why i'm not drinking mm-hmm. you know but i don't it's like every time i go somewhere it's like oh you're not drinking why are you okay are you feeling oh right? god isn't it like yeah. you're like it's super invasive and it's also like awkward and like so draining right like to have to like because i just say that because like i mean again working at a bar like i've told people like i don't feel like drinking tonight and they're just like why what's wrong with you why are and like some people get angry too they're like why aren't you drinking with me and like that's awkward i'm like (sighs) that to me breathes insecurity yeah it's just like well, they might be feeling they might have a problem, and so if someone else is like, I can't drink because I have a problem, they're like, it makes them reflect on themselves for a yeah. moment. and they, Because I feel like anger has a lot to do with fear. And it's obvious anger is a mask for so many emotions, uh, if it can be anything. Yeah. But that's what it is. It's a mask, and I feel like one of those emotions is always fear. So whenever I get angry, I ask myself, what is it that I'm afraid of? I'm afraid that this person's right. Yeah. I'm, I'm afraid that, like, this person's on to something. Like, yeah. Like, I'm angry at them for being sober. Right. I know. And that's the craziest reaction I've had from somebody from not wanting to drink with them. It's like, okay. I'm still sitting next to you. I'm yeah, still weird. talking to you. I just don't want to have a drink with you. Like, yeah. it's just so weird. People, like, yeah. So the whole thing about normalizing alcohol. So, like, you know, some people can handle it. And I just think yeah. that. A lot more than not, people can't. I don't know. Yeah. But 
it's really good. I'm like, I really enjoy listening to what you have to say and thank you for yeah. sharing. That's a lot of personal <laughs> yeah. information and uh, <laughs> I appreciate it because there was a point after, cause you go into treatment and then you're yeah. like, you have to talk about it. And, yeah. and I was in small groups for a year, every single day and you have to talk about it and you just talk to these strangers yeah. about your personal life all the time. And it came to a point where I actually had to like start catching myself yeah. from oversharing too much because like I remember oh. one time we were at Ma- well because like we would be at Matt's bar oh. I was getting Juicy Lucy's with a friend and we met a couple other people that were like in recovery mm-hmm. too you know I don't know if we can just smell each other or something but you always <laughs> find the person in recovery you know and then like we're surrounded by people and we're like oh this guy's like oh yeah and then it I was doing fine. I had a beer, and then the next day I'm banging meth into my leg. And, and <laughs> just I'm like, super loud. Like, well, yeah, Matt's bar is intimate too. Yeah, we're like, we're in public. Like, maybe I don't always have to share my deepest, darkest, yeah. like, thoughts and emotions and recovery stories immediately. So, yeah. like, talking openly about myself in this kind of setting, or like, I'll tell my life story often at like uh, uh, meetings or treatment centers. Yeah. Um, that helps me stay sober. Yeah. Um, I need to talk about it. Oh, I think it's great. And I also, um, I think it's, with your honesty and being able to um, speak on it, it's, I almost just hope that it would reach somebody who maybe isn't, like, in that, like, ready, like, or who has a problem, but hearing you can feel comfortable getting the help that they need. And it's happened. I've had friends... Bring, like meet have me meet their other friends I'll get like a message every month or so yeah. from someone that's like hey I have this friend that's really struggling and they're like looking for help mm-hmm. um, can you recommend a place or can you come meet with them or like mm-hmm. I'm a sponsor myself um, I've been through the 12 steps a couple of times and I've walked uh, six or seven people through the steps as well um, and that's helped so like I know recently a, a person that was upset about me something like years ago before addiction um, tried to use the steps against me and he like tried to accuse me of pimping my recovery mm. and I was like I, I don't care what I, I, I've had my name drugged through the dirt and I've been accused of awful things and I've been totally like destroyed socially because of things that I did actually do um, I get to I get to brag about my my accomplishments I don't care if it bothers you or not yeah. like I'm gonna promote the fact that I think that life is awesome in recovery and I've had and I've had people reach out to me and be like because that's what helped me when I went to that meeting with Sarah and I saw I was like I want what these people have yeah I want this I want this life yeah and I want to be able to tell my life story and maybe inspire someone else and at least at the very least break the stigma of addiction yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna do that personally but like I want to be open about it, and that will help. Yeah, I don't. You know? Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong. I feel like there's just mean people everywhere. We'll yeah. say whatever <laughs> they. Like, yeah, that's why I didn't take it personally. I'm like, yeah, but no. I don't give a crap. I'm posting pictures and of my year every year. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Yeah, and it and it keeps you going too, and it motivates right. you, and it helps you help others to see that you're doing well. And I think it's great. I think that's awesome. Um, but. And then so so after so this three years, um, what are you like? What are you doing now with your music and your sound? And um, like, is it different from before at all? Yes, like I said, okay. like I wasn't letting myself get. I put my own glass ceiling yeah. above me, and I wasn't letting myself get anywhere. Like, yeah. so I'm in two bands, two 
three, four bands, kind of. Oh my gosh, how do you do all that? <laughs> like, but but like some of them are like back and forth, like yeah. light projects. But I'm in a band. My main project is Me Me Me. We've been around for about eight years. Um, we came out with our first album, and we didn't really do much with it. But I, so I think it's an incredible album. We put a lot of work into it and time cool. into it. I think it's like one of the most amazing musical experiences I've ever accomplished. Oh. But like, I want to hear this. We all kind of devolved, so we can find our stuff on Spotify. I'm okay. doing the self promotion part. Yeah, I want to hear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So me, me, me. It's all one word. Three me's. Uh, we have both. Sounds our, like it's a lot about you. Yeah, no, yeah, just yeah exactly. <laughs> well, it came off of a joke because, uh, like, I, I write songs about myself a lot, and I've had yeah. partners and people in my life that were like, "Well, oh, write me a song," and, or like, if I people actually say, "Like, why do you, you know, like write about yourself so much?" Like. Well, how else am I supposed to write about? Yeah, like, I'm that's all you know. About my own experience, and yeah. so we kind of just like riffed on that, and it was a, some weirder situations, but it eventually fell on me, me, me. I um, like it. it. Reminds me of scrolling through Facebook. Yeah, pages like <laughs> yeah, statuses, exactly. like me, 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 <laughs> yeah. me, 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 me. Like, it, oh, okay. <laughs> so we have our first album that's self-titled. Um, and it's kind of like an alt rock, alternative rock Americana sound. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Oh, no, that's um, okay. It just startled me. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, like, we all grew up in the early 2000s with Foo Fighters and Nirvana and Blink 182 and Green Day. And uh, we were all into punk rock and emo. Yes. And I never got over my angsty side. But we are all <laughs> trained, like, I'm trained classically. Like, the members are cha- trained in jazz. Our bass player is currently. He's got a master's in classical composition. So oh, wow. we have, and like I grew up listening to country and 80s rock. So like we have that alt rock sound, but we, we kind of like piece it all together with some jazz and some blues. That and sounds some country awesome. Music like and, all of those. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's where the America, Americana piece comes into it because it's got the roots feel to it. Some some parts of the songs actually sound super country, you know? Cool. Um, super jazzy. We got like a Latin beat in one of the new songs for oh, some fun. reason. For you some know? reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, for some reason. I love it. Yeah. Why not? Because <laughs> I've been working with a lot of salsa bands cool. lately. Cool. So. Like, I love that it's kind of influenced by what you're doing at the time, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, me, me, me. And, uh... <laughs> So we got both of our albums on there, but like we have, like our second album was a little rough. I mean, it's a good album. I'm happy with it. Uh, but like we all, like I fell into my addiction and then I had a child and um, we all had our own personal struggles and it was really hard to get that album finished. It was a mm-hmm. lot of work. Yeah. And so now we're working on our third album and hmm. we're all coming from a place where we've worked through a lot of those things we were struggling with. And we're all in a healthier place and happier place and stable places. So the third album's coming along a lot more smoother until our bass player broke his arm oh, at no. the Vegas Lounge. But <laughs> you can't really play bass with a broken arm. So we're waiting well. on him to come back, and we're going to continue up. But like, we got a lot of songs in the work. They're yeah. all feeling good. They're coming together really uh-huh. well. And um, right. Um, uh, so I'm l- really looking forward to having this third album out. Cool. Um, but I'm in another project called Artificial Flowers that was like post. Uh, oh, yeah. I love Artificial Flowers. Yeah. I've heard you guys. Have you? Yeah. Nice. It's great. <laughs> I love it. I'm yeah. a big fan. With Eric Mitchell. I forgot that you were in that band. Yeah, you were at the Caboose one time, too. Yeah. Recently. Yeah. 
Um, I love it. So it's me and Eric Mitchell and Andrew Lance, and we're, most of us are in recovery. Like, our drummer, like, I'm not going to name people, of course, but, like, I should stop there then. Um, but, like, some of us are in recovery, like me, for, like, personal reasons. Some of us just don't drink because of spiritual or health reasons. Yeah. Um, but, like, it's, like, the sober band. I like uh, that. Oh, yeah, I know Eric, right? Eric? Yeah. Oh, I love Eric. He used to be in... Um, Jelly, Jelly Project, Project. Yeah. my favorite. I know, he's such a good guitar oh. player. And he's such a good friend, and we actually do audio together. Um, oh. Yeah, so uh, we do a lot of, we have a lot of sound gigs Did together. Did he just get married? Or no? Soon. Oh, he was about to. Yeah, yeah about yeah. to. Okay. I don't remember that, the exact date, so I'm sorry, Eric, I forgot. But I know it's like <laughs> with the COVID and everything, it's been hard yeah. to like figure out if it's going to happen for them, when mm. it's going to happen. But It's hard. It's happening. Yeah, just good, <laughs> good. And then I'm in an REM cover band that's about to kick off in, like, spring. Fun. Yeah, that's exciting. We're called... What did we decide? Well, it was funny because I tried out for the lead singer part first. Um, but then the guy who was coming against me, Simon Calder, um, he has no hair. And he's an amazing singer. And oh. I was like, you fit and look the part. Like, I concede. I'll just play guitar. So I'm going to be a lead <laughs> guitar player, which is super exciting. So oh. uh, Radio Free, Free Europe, I think it was what we're going to call ourselves. It was based off of one of our songs. What is it? Radio? Radio Free Europe. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love he's, it. He's, uh, he's from Europe. So oh. it fits really well. Fun. Um, so you're the guitarist. Yeah. And then I do my solo stuff as Kid Cassidy. Oh. So, so you have your own thing. Yeah. What, tell so, me about Kid Cassidy. So basically, whenever I get a chance to play a show solo, I go as Kid Cassidy, and then I'll bring... I think every single project I am in that I just listed has Andrew Lentz in it. We are vocal soulmates. We can just harmonize super well together without even trying. <laughs> and then we brought... Like last Monday, I played at Acadia, and I brought my friend Haley, Haley Ann on, and she's also an incredible vocalist, and so oh, we got all cool. those three-part harmonies worked out. And so oh it's basically gosh, cool. who's available to play with me it's like cover songs and stuff I haven't played with other bands before. Um, so kind of stuff you're passionate about. Exactly. Oh, that's awesome. So like, and that's kind of what Artificial Flowers is too. It's like these are songs mm-hmm. that I wrote. Um, sometimes you write the songs for them. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. Andrew once wrote a song, and I think we have songs that are inspired by Eric. And you're like famous. Not in my world. In my nine-year-old's world, yeah. <laughs> and in my world, because I love Artificial Flowers. You guys are so good. We don't have any music released yet. We're working on our album. You don't um, have any released? Mm-mm. Nowhere? No. Ugh. We will, though. All right. I'm working on it. <laughs> All right. Well, let me know. Yeah. I okay. Will, I will let you know. But we have two albums on Spotify for Me, Me, Me. Okay. But the self-titled and When Push Comes to Nudge. Cool. I want to check that out. You should. So, yeah. yeah. Awesome. And then audio-wise, um, I work for... I'm self-employed, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, health insurance is expensive. Uh, taxes suck because I'm like... Oh, I know that world. Yeah, 1099 <laughs> on everything. Oh. You know, it's like I, I don't get paid. I don't have taxes taken out, so I have to try to pay them oh. off at the end of the year. Every year, which is no... But I get to make my own schedule. Even though yeah. I don't ever stop working, ever, mm-hmm. uh, I get to make my own schedule. I work um, at Woodland Hills Church in Woodbury as their lead audio engineer. So I mm-hmm. spend about $10, $15 hours a week there prepping and upgrading and maintaining and uh, meetings and selling oh, wow. all stuff off and running sound every Sunday for the church service. Um, How are you so great. busy? 
Okay, how do you even? How are you even making time to be here? I know, right? No. What? It's winter. That's why. Oh yeah. Because <laughs> okay. it's like you know, yeah. like uh, so I like run sound for uh, like a couple of different places around any venue that'll take me, but mostly weddings and corporate gigs. I wanted oh, cool. to get out of the bar scene. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. For sure, because mm-hmm. like I used to just be able to. I were, I, <laughs> When I went to treatment, in my treatment plan, the whole entire year I was at New Way, it said I am not allowed to go to the West Bank because I worked at every bar there yeah. running sound, and that's where all my dealers were. Yeah. So I could go run sound, make 75 bucks, and then go across the street to wherever and go pick up. And yeah. So I wasn't allowed on the West Bank. Uh, so I got out of that. So I worked for Rock With You out of Florida, and oh, I worked yeah. with like a couple of uh, local wedding bands. So how did you get connected with... Uh like why why the connection for Florida and Minnesota? Um, my good friend Nate was like because they started off in Florida, but mm-hmm. then they got like one bar mitzvah up in Minnesota. Oh, because the bar the mitzvah scene in Florida is huge. You know, oh. it's it's a it's a whole scene. Really, and um, that's kind of where they got you know that and the wedding scene and stuff and uh, built a company off of that. And so they got like one bar mitzvah up here mm-hmm. and then they just kept getting gigs, you know. They flew yeah. up a DJ and the band the whole fusion thing. Um crazy. And so they started a branch up here head headed by my friend and audio guy Nate who I I um he helped me get to where I am today because he gave me my eighth or ninth chance, you know. <laughs> like I got out of treatment and he stuck his neck out for me and oh. he hired me and you know it, oh, wow. it was a good feeling to be able to like get a chance to prove myself again yeah. so he moved on to other things and I kind of moved up um doing most of the rock with you gigs um but that's how I, I got to go to Florida a couple of times to run down there for weddings it's a whole different level of money yeah out there it's wild oh it was, a, it was a weird Oof. experience, yeah. Like, but they must have a lot of money out there. <laughs> yeah, it was like I've never seen that kind of wealth before. Mm-hmm. Um, but and then I worked for a, a few salsa bands, uh, Tronga Tropical, which is really cool. Cool. Um, just just work hard and be accountable when I make mistakes and to keep mm-hmm. trying to better myself, and the gigs just keep coming because mostly the wedding and corporate gigs because. I'm really good with people. Yeah. And, like, I can handle when somebody is, like, there's always somebody pissed off at a wedding. I yeah. Like, um, I can take it in stride and not yeah. lose my cool. And so, like, I've been yeah. hired. Even had one guy tell me, he's like, I could, you know, you may not be golden ears. You may not be the best audio engineer in town. Yeah. But you handle people better. So I'm going to hire you over this guy, you know. And yeah. I also work at uh, Crooners. That's my favorite place to work. I'll say that much. Crooners. What is Crooners? That sounds familiar. Crooners is in Fridley. It's a jazz lounge. It's a jazz, like, supper club. Um, and my friend, uh, Zachary, who I had known, also one of those guys that gave me another chance, um, he is the head, head tech there, and they always had the main stage and, like, a little bar stage and, a, like, a small stage behind it. Um, but during the pandemic, couldn't do anything inside, so mm-hmm. they built a tent in the parking lot and apparently in Fridley that's against the law or something against kind of code so you can't have events in parking lots and so they moved it to the back lounge they built this huge tent um put a put up a pretty big stage that's like bigger probably as big as the main stage in there and uh people buy tickets and I love working there because I get to work with some amazing musicians and I get to learn so much history about um about like 
music in the world and music in the community and the, yeah. and the history behind it. Like, I've worked, I've loved working there so much. And we built a the new tent uh, cool. so that it could be winterized. It was like two diesel heaters and two gas heaters and like vents Whoa. in there. And so it could keep music going all year round. And they rebuilt the bar. And oh my it's gosh. such a cool place. Are There's they still so up right now, like running around? And they just reopened. Yeah. Okay. And you work there still? I run sounds oh. there still, yeah. I, I love that I want to go. So that you sounds awesome. Check out their, you can go on their website, you can check out their list of shows they have coming up. All of them are usually, like, really amazing. Are they better than the Dakota? Uh, no. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, it's it just depends. I think in some ways, yes. Like, it's okay. just, uh, I think the, the Dakota's got a lot more history. I think, sure. I think Crooners is growing constantly. The people that mm-hmm. run it, Andrew Whalish and, uh, and, um, Mary T. Uh, Mary T's the owner, and Andrew's like the music guy. Okay. Uh, they're doing a lot of amazing things. Oh, sure. And I think that it's going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And I, I would say, compared to like maybe like the uh, Chan Hassan Dinner Theater. Oh, cool. Kind of getting into that realm. Not as much of the theater side, yeah, but the they theater. have like their side rooms where they have like cool. shows and stuff and dinners. Because you, you buy a ticket and then you buy your dinner and everyone is seated and um, then you watch the jazz show and. So usually about an hour and a half. And so, oh my gosh, fun. Yeah, it's fun. That's not, I've never been to a jazz club. I've never been to the Dakota or, I mean, obviously, Crooners. Oh, but yeah. yeah. I love it. It's so good. You learn, I've learned so many cool things. Like, the, my favorite story so far was about, um, I always forget his name now, Lance, not Lance Armstrong. <laughs> Louis Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, he, um, amazing trumpet player, writing all these amazing songs and uh, there was a story that someone told me about how he would like be in america you know in the states and they would re- record an album yeah and then immediately after just go to europe you know for like six months two years or something and so they would put out this album and they wouldn't even be around you know this album would become like a number one you know number one oh and they, s- and they just chopper. wouldn't be here for they wouldn't it, even like, know oh my you know gosh. really not really really know and so they yeah. would come back the band would come back um and uh they'd be at shows and people would be like play sugar honey or whatever they would start screaming out songs that are number one hits and they'd be like do you know that song like, i don't know that song like none of them knew the song they don't remember even like how it went and so really? there was a specific story where like one time after that happened the next day they went down to a cafe down the street yeah. and they or a diner and they started putting quarters in the machine so they could yeah. relearn their song. Oh <laughs> you know, my like gosh. They put it in the jukebox That's hilarious. The, to play their songs so they can learn they it. They were like, I don't remember that one. <laughs> right. I was like, what a cool problem to have. Oh my gosh, that you is know? a cool problem to have. Yeah. Wow. So crazy. Yeah, I recommend Crooners. It's a great place. Crooners, yeah, I've heard of it. And Fridley, yeah. right? Fridley. <gasps> my yeah. friend lives there. <gasps> yeah. Fridley is great. Go have a fancy dinner. Yeah. yeah, that sounds <laughs> you know, fun. Fancy right? date night. Yeah. yeah, that sounds great. And Crooners isn't paying me for this. Yeah, right. They should. <laughs> they should. Now, I, now we have to reach out to Crooners. Yeah, and then I worked at Keg and Case all summer long at oh, yeah, their outdoor that's right. stage, and that was a fun. It didn't pay as much, but it was like, I mean, like I got to run sound for Nerdy, and it was like me and my kids, like favorite like local artists, and, and like got to see music, amazing music, and it was like family friendly. And yeah, awesome. and your kid like, gets to come too. And yeah, he got to come a couple of times. Fun. Does yeah. he love that? He does. Does he love music he like loves you? Me. He's a drummer. Oh, he, he is. You just got him a drum set for Christmas, and um, he's always had really good rhythm and sense of ah. beat, and he likes making beats and singing. Yeah. 
so yeah, I didn't force it on him. You know, That's I cool. am forcing piano lessons on him a little bit just because you have to learn the basics. I, f- I feel like it helps to learn the basics. Yeah. Um, even if you're going to be a drummer, you need to know music theory. Yeah. You know? Oh. So he, he took to it. Uh, he, he, I don't force him. He enjoys, he yeah. enjoys it. He's not super pumped about playing piano. I don't think he's going to become a piano player. Yeah. But he's learning the theory. And he, That's good. Yeah, he's a decent drummer. We've been playing music together since he was four years old, and he's nine now. So oh, wow. For five years, and so it's fun he's to be able to He's going to be the him. next amazing drummer. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, maybe he'll become a basketball star. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? You know, like it could change at any point. But It really could. I think just like letting him have the space to be as creative as he wants to and not being like, well, I love music, so you should love music too. Right. Um, it was helpful. Yeah, and that is actually something, a question that I ask. I asked another friend who is a musician, and um, her father was a musician, and her sister is a musician, but, um, yeah, like, what do you, what do you expect for your children? (laughs) Like, do you just want them to be, like, just be themselves, right? Yeah, exactly. But introduce them to, and have the opportunities to learn the things that. Just like my parents did for me, like my mom and dad are musical. Like I come from mm-hmm. a musical family, but not in the sense that they more mostly just karaoke. Yeah, and they're all really good at singing. And okay. my aunt Teresa is like a, a famous South Dakota yodeler. What? That's so cool! Yodeling's awesome. I know, and she could hold a yodel for like a minute straight. It was ridiculous. Oh my gosh! But like so, there's always that aspect. I it, it came in through my genes for sure. Yeah. But my parents were always really supportive. So I just try to do the same thing. Like, no matter, like, you can tell, I believe that I could, like, you can tell what a kid's kind of leaning towards at two, three years old. I remember watching him, like, like watching Disney shows and he'd put his arm up on the couch and he would just, like, stomp with the, with the, uh, with the beat. I'm just like, like, maybe I'm being biased here, but I'm pretty sure he's staying on rhythm. Yeah. I'm going to give him a drum set and kind of encourage it. that's cool. I think that just kind of like, and just be like, you know what, if this is what you want to do, mm-hmm. you know, like he wants to, he wants to be a rock star all of a sudden. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's awesome, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. You know, like you have to, if you want to do this, it's, here, here's what, here's some steps that might help you get there. You're going to need to practice. You're going to yeah. need to put yourself out there. You're going to need to work on this. Um, like you can achieve those things and I will support you in achieving those things but you have to put the effort in yeah. like if I'm going to buy you a drum set you're going to do piano lessons for a year because I need you to show me that you're willing to dedicate time to this so I don't spend yeah. $800 on a on a kit and you decide yeah. that you don't want to do it anymore yeah. which is fine yes. if you put the effort in and decide you don't want to do it anymore I'm That's 35 I'm too. still doing that every yeah. day we all do that I feel like we <laughs> well, all do that I don't know what I want to be when I grow up I know <laughs> exactly oh, <it's> like... <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know so I think that was very helpful yeah yeah that's awesome and he loves it he well loves he it. loves the drumming not yeah. the piano yeah that's yeah, great he loves music and I like he doesn't know how much work goes into it, but I always curate, like, okay, we're going to listen to this band. I'm going to see what he yeah. thinks about it. I'm not going to tell him we're listening to this band or force it on you him. You just kind of play it. I even ask him. I just play it and see what he's into. And yeah. There's a lot of stuff we agree on. There's stuff that he doesn't. He's so funny about how honest, you know, kids are so honest. And, like, um, I think we heard a Blondie song, or um, the lead singer from Blondie mm-hmm. um, had a solo song on The Current, and 
it was long and in my mind like I try not to be like oh this sucks because mm-hmm. sometimes he wants to emulate that and be like yeah this sucks yeah you know and so I don't say anything but then he'll chime in and be like I think what does he say he goes dad dad they put a lot of work into a really bad song <laughs> He's like, <laughs> he's oh like, my gosh, I like love that. Like, it sounds nice, yeah. and it sounds good, but it's not good. <laughs> or, like, we watched uh, Sing 2 in theaters recently, and um, Bono is in it from New oh, 2, yeah. and he, um, they played a couple of his songs, and he, he's a character, so the songs were, like, theatrical and mm-hmm. beautiful and heart-wrenching, and they fit into a story, and they're really good. And so he was like, I love Bono. I want to listen to you too. And I'm like, okay. Like in my mind, I'm not a YouTube fan yeah. at all. Yeah. I'm not going to say that though. So I was like, okay, we're going to do that. And we put you two on. He got like halfway through the second song. And he's like, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so he might be your son. <laughs> yeah. He was like, this is oh. not good. And he'll do the same thing and be like, dad, when I, I'll show him a new song. He's like, I like when you sing it this way, but when you try to hit these low notes, it doesn't really sound as good. And, oh. <laughs> wow like, cool like i want to be open a about really that. honest kid yeah. that's crazy because i feel like a lot of kids just kind of copy um not all kids but sometimes they just copy what um you say you know yeah they don't have like form opinions but i think that's also if you allow them to think about yeah. stuff i think a lot of parenting is like this is my way follow me do it this way and they're so used to kids are so used to being um I guess what is the word agreeable um, yeah. and like just doing what they're told that like I think it's important that they form their own opinions yeah and you're doing a good job and, and like I, like in the same vein I do that for myself with him too where it's just like there's a band I love to listen to called um, man man I'm like, like blood, blood and stuff it's oh. not as heavy as that sounds that sounds like oh, a yeah. death metal band name it does it's just, it's just like a guitarist and a drummer and Nothing, none of their stuff is ever gory or any, even inappropriate in any way. Yeah. They're called Blood and Stuff for some reason. And he'll get in the car and be like, oh, not this band again. And I'm like, this is what I'm into right now. Yeah. And like, we're going to listen to these few songs and you're going to deal with it. <laughs> and we can listen to it. Like, he likes this band called AJR, which I just got him tickets to. It's going to be his first concert ever. Oh. I'm not a fan of that band. Okay. But I'll listen to it. I'm like, yeah. you give me my space to listen to this when we're in the car. Yeah. And like, you get to listen to AJR on the way home yeah. or something. You That's know? cool. Like yeah. you, you're reasoning with your kid to not just like, sorry, shut up. This is my car. Yeah. We're you know, listening to Slayer right now. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I'm not even a big Slayer fan. I just picked a band. But, yeah. Um, what is your favorite band right now? At the moment? Oh, I'm so excited to see Mitski live. Ooh. Um, I'm loving her. I'm liking her new album. She's one of my favorites. So at the moment I'm listening to a lot of Mitski. Um, I was saddened to hear that she wanted to retire from music she's just over it over the music business and and it seems to have been a real drag on her but she found out that she is contractually obligated for one more album so she released another album and a tour and she's doing she's doing the work she's not just being like here you go have fun yeah she's doing she's promoting it and she's taking a tour and and so this might be the last time we get a chance to see her live next month and um, she even like I think the first song she released is called uh, "Working for the Knife." So very <laughs> just like yeah, she's like yeah. I wanted to be I wanted to tell my stories and everybody stopped caring and I just feel like I want to do these things with my life, but I'm working for the knife. Yeah, you know, like the person oh. that's 
trying to stab me. Yeah. And I'm, I'm working wow. for that person. That's, that's intense. Yeah. That's, that's an <laughs> intense statement, working for the knife. Yeah. Yeah. And so right that and uh, right now a band called Lomelda um, has been a favorite of mine for a couple of years now, but I'm just, I can't stop listening to it to them as lead singer she's just got this amazing way of writing music and using her voice and using time it's just like it's just like i can't even explain it like i play one of her songs columbia river we added like three part harmonies to it and it's just like i don't know it makes me feel so good to listen to her music it makes me feel so happy and at home you know yeah so lomelda and mitski i think are right now my favorite Cool. Two I'll bands. have to look into both of those. Because... And Brandy Carlisle for life. Oh, she's yeah. Like, she's like my... She's one of the best. Uh, <laughs> I can't... I've seen her live a few times, and it just doesn't get much better than her Yeah. music writing-wise and just authenticity. Yeah. You know, I think that's really important. That's awesome. Cool. And I, wait, what's... Um, and then what's tonight? You're, you didn't even talk about your Monday. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I run sound for only every Monday. Every Monday at the Acadia goes from like 8 to midnight. Um, always good music. A lot yeah. of good friends. Um, it's and been run for 10 years. It was by Jeffrey Fishby. 10 years? 10 years. He's wow. on week 574, I think it is, or something like yeah. that. And one of my first like professional audio gigs was at only every Monday week one. The Acadia. Week one. I started oh. running sound at the Acadia. Well, because yeah, it started there. It started there. Yeah. I mean, we're back there now. It has new management and yeah. it's got wonderful food and coffee. They have my favorite thing on the planet, which I get every Monday, which is an affogato, which is like uh, I had in Oregon for the first time. It's a it's a cup of ice cream with an espresso poured over it. Oh my gosh! You know, it's like a. I might have to be there tonight. Yeah, you should. Yeah. you're making yeah. me hungry, and yeah. this is all sounding good. Tonight I love is music. Elizabeth Gandor and Dimitri Rallis, and then I play it once a month as Kid yeah. Cassidy most of the time, or sometimes me, me, sometimes Artificial Flowers. Yeah. Mostly as Kid Cassidy with Andrew Lentz sometimes, Eric Mitchell sometimes, Haley sometimes. Cool. You know, like whatever Switch we're it up. feeling. It's fun. Yeah. Your life is so fun. <laughs> like your you. It sounds like your work is play. It is. It's funny because it's like I was even talking last night because on Sundays at Cake and Case, I hope I host an open mic mm-hmm. as well. And that's from 5 to 8 o'clock. Still self-promoting here. And um, that's been pretty successful. And I was telling my friend Tanner, who runs Cake and Case, I was like, Sunday and Mondays are my nights off. Like, I work Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, I have my kid, like, yeah. month, Sunday, Monday, Tuesdays usually. Um, Sunday and Monday nights are my night off, but I'm like running an open mic on Sunday nights <laughs> and, and running sound at Acadia. And it's, it's easy. It's yeah. easy because and it's always, and I'm with my friends. So I'm getting paid to hang out with my friends. Yeah. It's great. That's awesome. <laughs> I love that. Well, I, that's why I like, I like to work as long as I'm doing work that I love because yeah. like even hanging out, like I'm always wanting to work like, Oh cool. Let me bring a photo booth to your party. Let me like yeah. bartend for you for your party. I'm always like, <laughs> Oh my gosh, am I working at this party? Like, (laughs) just volunteered? Okay, well, yeah. But it's fun, because it's it's kind of what life is, is playing and, yeah, but awesome. Yeah, are you, um, are you, wait, oh, I forgot my question now. It's okay, I was forgetting things too. That's okay, so let's talk about um, your favorite food. Favorite food, anything potato. Yeah. Like uh, mashed potatoes, I make the best mashed potatoes. I love mashed potatoes. It was always 
mashed potato, steak, and corn. Like, Yum. And that's just like, I love steak. My kids the same way. Like, it was it's like a birthday. Midwest staple, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. My mom and dad buy a half a cow from the butcher in the freezer. And oh, the they do? And, and so we just had <gasps> beef and potatoes every single night. And I don't know, like that and squash. I'm getting hungry. That sounds great. <laughs> like, and bacon, and right? Bacon. And bacon. Oh, yeah, exactly. bacon. But who doesn't like bacon? It's such an obvious one. It's so good. Right. But yeah, the bacon was delicious, so thank you. Yeah. For the bacon. Like <laughs> even my nine-year-old, he we, he wanted to, like we went out for his birthday party. It was yeah. a, a steak dinner at a fancy place in, in Burnsville because he was like, I want a fancy steak for my birthday. And I'm like, Which one? I love Burnsville. We went to Wildfire. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. cool. Um, so your nine-year-old just get like a nice cut of Got steak? Got filet and... mignon. Oh, yeah. I know, and he wanted oh. it red. They never believe him. When, like he's like I want it medium rare and they're like are you sure yeah like, yeah I want it like look like my grandpa's he says <laughs> <laughs> cute that's so cute yeah. does he order um I'll have a scotch on the rocks with that <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> oh my gosh that's so awesome um yeah I used to be a nanny and uh in Florida actually we'd nice. be the vacation nanny and uh we're at a restaurant and it's super busy as breakfast. And this, I think, how old? He had to be like a year old, a year and a half. And he's just like this chubby baby. And like, it was busy. And he just yelled at the waitress like, Bacon! Bacon! <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. I have like a video of him. He's like, Bacon! And like, somebody bring me bacon now. <laughs> like, it's, yeah, it's like taking forever. I thought that was so funny. I was like, oh, dear. It reminds me of a story. When my kid was about a year or two old, I had started dating someone I had been friends with for a long time and um, they had spent the night and Eli's room was nearby and it was bedtime and and trying to be kind and friendly to Eli you know mm-hmm. they were like oh and when you wake up tomorrow and didn't say this to me prior and they're like when you wake up tomorrow I'll make you pancakes and Eli loves pancakes she's like I'll make you banana pancakes because he was obsessed with bananas and oh, I was like oh no like why did you just say that and I was like I panicked and I was like okay yeah and he got so excited he's like yes pancakes and he falls asleep and I was like you're screwed like he's gonna wake up 5am and he's gonna start screaming about pancakes and guess Uh-oh. who's going to the grocery store to go get stuff to make pancakes cause I don't have anything to make pancakes <laughs> I'm like you're getting up and you're gonna, when he starts screaming, oh you're going to the store. You're going to go get pancakes. Now. <laughs> <laughs> this is an important lesson to learn. And he yeah. did. 5 a.m., 5 or 6 in the morning. He just, I can't say her name, but like, oh, yeah. hey, pancakes. Oh, my gosh. Pancakes. And oh I was my like, gosh. <laughs> I kicked him off the bed. And I was like, all right, go get pancakes. Yep. You're gonna, oh, my you're gosh. You're making pancakes at 5 in the morning now. That's hilarious because kids are smart and they yeah yeah they're so smart that's hilarious uh, you're like oh no uh, you don't make promises unless you have the ingredients yeah, you, yeah, and unless you're ready you know what you're at you're yeah. offering yeah yeah because yeah. kids aren't like dumb little like <laughs> cool like oh they remember yeah, they know that's all he's gonna think about until he has pancakes right <laughs> gosh we're talking about food that sounds so good oh, oh my right. gosh i love it but um well yeah I mean, I feel like we've talked about a lot of things. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to... No. Um, I guess, like, to summarize all of it, like, yeah, if anybody listens and they're struggling, reach out. Yeah. Like, reach out and get help. There's, help. There's a lot of help out there. 
and it's that's like the hardest thing to do um is to ask for help but it's worth it life can be it uh, it doesn't make life better but it can make the tough times easier (laughs) you know it gives you the tools to help and And so like like yeah it's okay to not be okay and ask for help and be like no shame in it like oh what am i doing with my life there might be something that i need to address and if there's people in your life that are shaming you for being an addict or wanting to get help because um, it was on both sides, then unfor- the hard- one of the hardest things to do, but it was helpful, is to cut those people out. Are there, <laughs> like, there are people that do that to you? Yeah. Oh. People that are like, well, because we talked earlier, people are like, why aren't you drinking with me? Oh, yeah. Or like people who are like, you know, I did awful things, so some of them have every single right to it. Sure. They hate me, but there are people like, yeah, like there's a lot of shame when it comes to addiction yeah. and, and doing addict things. Like there are still people to this day that won't talk to me. They think that. And, and I don't blame them. That's okay. I can't control how somebody else sees me. Yeah. But um, I hurt them. Yeah. And they get to choose to continue to be hurt if they want to. Mm-hmm. And as hard as it is, there's still a lot of stigma. Like, I'm not that person that I was then. Yeah. But that is a part of me. So I that's okay. Like, that part yeah. of me is okay, too. And yeah. so just cut those people out. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, cut them out. You don't need them. Right. Or, you know, not that they're bad people necessarily, no. but... It's helpful to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like and that. Yeah. So listen to Me, Me, Me <laughs> on yeah, Spotify. Yes, do it. Keep an eye out for Artificial Flowers. You can follow us on Facebook. Um, keep an eye out for our REM tribute band. Yes. Come to Cake and Case. Cake uh, and we're case. called Open Mic at the Market on Sundays. So you can sign up on Saturday at noon. Cool. online and then only every monday tonight at acadia cafe yes, tonight yeah hopefully there won't be a snowstorm i'm still waiting it for starts it at eight so i think that it'll be still safe to drive home. i know I, they say like tuesdays still tuesdays so dumb if it even happens they always hype it up and then sometimes nothing zero so. to 75 inches right yeah yeah zero to 75 yeah. that's exactly <laughs> it'll be here between <laughs> It'll be at your house between 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. It's worse than Comcast. <laughs> yes, that's what I was <laughs> so thinking. I'm like, oh, my God. I've never Ex- thought about that. Yeah, except they're saying it'll be at your house either Sunday night at midnight to Tuesday night at midnight. At midnight. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Okay. That's funny. I don't think I've ever heard anyone make that analogy. Yeah. You can totally turn that into a movie. I know. That would be funny. <laughs> that's totally what I feel like, but. All right. Well, um, thanks, Cassidy. Thank you for having me and for the bacon. The third time you've been on here. I love it. I know. The first time in person, which is great. The little blips were fun. I didn't even know the first time. (laughs) I know. I feel bad. Don't have to. That was great. You did tell me that I was like, I was like deliriously sick from COVID. And I was like, let's talk about New Year's. This is great. Yeah. (laughs) I liked it. You did good good on both. And I think that you had a really good funny part on the, the valentine's day special <laughs> it was really good it was my favorite yeah that really made my day it, good it made my day and i'm happy to have been here thank you for this yeah it's yeah. been great we had some tea and some bacon and we took i i also <laughs> want to mention that picture that we took so <laughs> so we're not in the studio today so we used the train track and did yeah. like the classic um i guess well how would you call it the minneapolis band photo like usually like if like teenagers or, or new bands or suburban bands, not yeah. to crash the suburbs too much, but like the the, the rock bands with their like oh, we'll take pictures under a bridge, and yeah. we're not gonna look at the camera and or on a train track and yeah. put our hands in our pocket and look like we're 
like what like sullen or something i don't yeah. know but we did it with bacon so now it's funny i know <laughs> i know we did we did like the cool guy on a on a, on a train tra- yeah with bacon <laughs> with bacon yeah. Oh my gosh, I love it. I'm it so was fun. Those, yeah. I'm excited. To, we'll look at him before he leaves to get excited. Um, cool. Thank you for listening. Uh, my name is Cassie Anderson here with. Oh my Bruce gosh, Lee? Bruce. I was, Lee? Actually, I was gonna ask. I keep wanting to see. I always <laughs> want to see Bruce Lee. I know it's Brit Lee. Yeah. But I always like. I'm like because I'm like oh, name, we're going on a yeah. podcast with Bruce Lee. You know? They're like what? I'm like, no, <laughs> her name's not Bruce Lee. That's okay. It's it's like a namesake. People call me Bruce Lee, but Brittany, yeah. Bruce Lee, you can say whatever. It works. We'll <laughs> I'm on a. Thank you for listening to Excelsior. I'm Cassie Anderson here with with uh, Brittany or Bruce Lee. <laughs> whatever you want. Whatever you want. <laughs> Keep a lookout for those bacon photos. <laughs> You're baking me crazy. <laughs> that's great. Oh my gosh, oh, that's baby. so stupid.